I'm going to back up and read a little bit, Ezra chapter 3, and uh, you don't have to stand tonight. It will be a, a few minutes because I will just want to read some places. Um, but Ezra chapter 3, you know, we're just, uh, we're in a battle right now. You know, there's just a lot of things that are going on in, in the spirit realm. And um, let me just say this, if you're not careful, it's easily swayed. Because there's a lot of things that have an appearance of being right. And, and, and not everything is right. Amen. And anointing has nothing to do with appearance. Have you ever known somebody that couldn't sing a lick but they were anointed? And no matter what they sounded like, amen, you knew that they were anointed and chains fell off people. Amen. Some people can't preach, you know. And, and man, they're just anointed. And yokes fall off. Some people are great speakers but have no anointing. You know, they're, they're good speakers. They're, they're good at relationships, but there's no anointing. And they move people. People can be moved. And, and see, we're living in times where it's very soulish. And your soul is moved, so we say that it's anointed because my soul was moved. And, and so you have to be very careful, especially a lot in worship. We, we, see, we see a lot of people that are moved in worship. And we, we see that, you know, because music moves our soul. And a lot of times we'll say, boy, that's why the enemy moves in a lot of times through worshipers. And I'm not just talking about only worship leaders, but I can tell you just a lot of times through worship. That's what Satan did. He was kicked out of heaven. We know that. And um, so he'll come in worship a lot of times. And a lot of times whenever a worship leader leaves or, or somebody on the worship team leaves, boy, it affects everybody because they were moved by the singing. And they have to be spiritual because it touched my heart. Well, that's your, your, your part of your soul, mind, will, and emotions. And a lot of times, you know, we really don't know how to discern the spiritual things because we think just as long as it pricked me, then it had to be the Holy Ghost. But I can tell you that, you, you get out of a movement of the Holy Ghost and you get in your car and turn on 96.9, the oldies, you'll be moved by that too. You'll start crying when you get in your vehicle and it won't be the Holy Ghost this time. Oh, I remember when my girlfriend in 1992 broke up with me. Oh, God. You know, or, or you can hear chicken fry, drinking beer on a Friday night and you'll be moved by that. You'll be at the honky tonk. Come on, somebody. Y'all know I'm telling you, right? Amen. You'll be, ma'am, you can't listen to it because it moves your soul. It does all of us. Don't tell me it don't you. There's something in your past that still triggers you. And you just know. What was yours, Brother Michael? <laughs> I had to say it. Just keep on preaching. Uh, you ain't got no hair to headbang. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're all we get moved by those things, you know. It touches our, it moves our soul, and even preaching can move our soul. Boy, that was a good speaker. Yeah, that was a good message. We stand at the door, we shake the preacher's hand. Boy, that really touched me, but it didn't bring me to repent and change anything. And so we're very soulish people, amen. And, and so we have to be very careful whose house we're in. You have to be very careful because even Eli was in the house. His sons are at the door being moved, but they're sleeping with women there. The light was going out. Their eyes were dim. They were at the door. They were moved in their soul. 
you know, their soul was touched. They were moved there, very soulless realm. And so listen to me, we have to be very careful in the day and the hour that we're living in because there's a great deception. Amen, there's a great deception. And, and so I just, I just, I don't want to get in a hurry tonight. I just want you to bear with me. Amen. Y'all just stay with me some tonight. Ezra chapter 3. And I guess this has really just come to me since we're building the foundation. And I've just been studying on this and just looking into this some. And, and so Ezra chapter 3, this just really stood out to me the other day in, in verse 10. It says, when the builders, they're rebuilding the temple, they they." They had come out of exile. They'd come out of bondage, and their hearts were stirred. And and um, they're beginning to. The first thing they did in chapter three was rebuilt the altar. That really stirs the enemy up. Amen. When you rebuild altars in your life, that really gets the enemy's attention. Then they begin to rebuild the temple, and they even went. I mean, God was supplying carpenters and food and drink, everything that they needed. They had went and got some of the old vessels. It just, man, it just really touched my heart. Because I was thinking about this church. There's a lot of vessels from, from, from the old house. Some vessels that the enemy had. Amen. And Nebuchadnezzar's temple. Amen. And now they went and got them and they brought them into the new temple. Amen. And that's what I think about of this church. A lot of you were vessels in the old way. But now God picked you up, dusted you off, and now you're going to be used to build the new temple. Amen. You're being used for the glory of God. And so these things were happening, and then all of a sudden there began to be a noise about what God was doing. Amen. And so people came out of bondage. Sounds a lot like this church. There's a noise about what God is doing. Now here we are to verse 10. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord... The priests in their vestments and with their trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love to Israel endures forever. Amen. Listen to what he goes on to say. And all the people gave a great shout. There began to be a noise and a shout about what God was doing. Amen. And a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Boy, there's all kind of talk being talked about the foundation laid over here. Everybody says, I didn't know y'all were building a new church. Boy, that's a big old foundation y'all got. And I mean, there's just talk everywhere, people saying, because now there's being word about that. Amen? And so you got to understand that not only are people saying things in a good manner, but hell saying, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Amen. The devil is saying, "Uh uh-oh, I never thought they'd ever get that far. A bunch of folks out of bondage. Amen. Now they're over here. I didn't think they would ever get to this place. And so now there begins to be a noise about what God is doing. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. Some of them didn't like God was doing a new thing. That old bunch over there, they just wanted to stay with the old. Don't you dare build anything new. Don't you dare allow God to come in here and start moving in a new way. We're stuck in our ways. We like the old foundation. We like the old ways. We like the old temple. And so they, they, they heard, they saw what God was doing, and they didn't really like it very much. We just want to stay the way we've always been. But now the Holy Ghost is moving, and God said, no, no, no. We're fixing to do something new. Amen. And when I say new, that don't mean God changes his word. God don't change anything about himself. Amen. And so they begin to they begin to weep aloud, but many others shouted for joy. 
No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. People couldn't understand, is this weeping? Is this grief or is this joy? Because there was so much noise. Some people was crying. They didn't want to let go of the old. And some people was like, praise God, look at what God's doing in the new. Isn't that the way that it is a lot of times? The old versus new and they're fighting back and forth. Amen. Old religious folks like to say the way that it's always been. I'm setting my ways. I'm ingrained this way. We're going to do boom, boom, boom. But now you got folks over here and the Holy Ghost is moving. Amen. And so there was, there was an eruption that was going on about what God was doing. Now Ezra chapter 4. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of the heads of the families and said, let us help you build, because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Esheradon, king of Assyria, who brought us here, but Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord. The God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They hired counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans. During the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia, and so now we see at the building of this new temple, the enemy moves in. Amen? The enemy moves right in. So are you still with me? So I'm just going to kind of slow down and just talk some. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, Let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him. Can I tell you right there, red flags should go up. Anytime somebody, I'm telling you this, every time somebody has came to this church and told me, boy, this is the best church I've ever been to, and they start telling me everything. I said, boy, you're the best preacher I've ever been to. Well, they told the last 10 pastors the same thing. <laughs> you know, red flags go up. I'm sorry. You know, when they start telling me everything that they bring to the table, to offer, I can help you do this, I can help you do this, I can help you do this. There's nothing wrong. If somebody can, then thank God for that. But let me tell you, God will do all of that. Amen? Because I can tell you this, we need help. This church needs help. I promise you, we need help. You know what people say all the time? Well, there's nowhere for me there. Yes, there is. Just get in. You will find somewhere for you to fit and somewhere for you to help. Don't believe the lie. And let me just say this. People say, well, I don't want to bother you. You're too busy. God called me to be in a pastor. Amen. God called me to be a pastor. It is busy here. But I can tell you sometimes, I mean, that's what it's worth it to me. If it wasn't worth it to me, then I promise you I wouldn't be doing this. Amen. I didn't ask to be a pastor. Amen. I read John 15 this week, and I thank God that he didn't choose me. I mean, that, that I didn't choose him. He chose me. Amen. I can promise you I had nothing to do with this. And so don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, there just ain't nowhere for me there. Yes, there is. 
It may just not be what you think right now. But I promise you there's a gap for you to fill. Amen. I promise you there's somewhere for you to be. Amen. Don't sit there and think and act like there's not somewhere that you don't belong or fit. And boy, I can't be used there. That's a lie. I promise you there's somewhere for you to be used. Amen. I can tell you, God said, he said, was there, could I, I couldn't find one man to stand in the gap to pray. Well, that's a lot like today. Amen. There's a lot that goes on around here. Just ask somebody. Well, is there anywhere I can get? Yep. Let me show you where there's a hole you can get right there and you can begin to pray. Amen. Because if we can't fill a gap to pray, then do we need to be anywhere else amen we need prayer warriors there's a lot of gaps in this church amen I can tell you all over the place amen with a school with a new church with foreign missions with mobile missions amen there's a lot of avenues that the enemy tries to get in in this church but if we have people start filling some gaps and begin to pray in those places then it would begin to oppose the devil and the work of the enemy amen so don't sit there and act like there's nothing for you to do there's plenty for you to do Say, God, open my eyes and show me where I can serve. God, open my eyes and show me where I can just be humble and pray and, and love. Amen. Because here's the, here's the thing we have to see. This Ezra chapter 4 verse 1 says, When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin. Let's look a little bit deeper. What does Judah mean? Judah means praise. And so what is the first attack going to be while we're building this new building? It's going to be against our praise. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, let me tell you, there are enemies that is a sign to keep you from worshiping God. Amen. Amen. I was gone traveling after camp meeting. This church was on fire. I mean, this church was on fire. People were blown away by the moving of the Spirit of God in this church. Amen. Pastors came from all around the world. We know that. People were blown away about what God did during this camp meeting. Lives were completely changed and wrecked through this meeting. Why? Because it's the church and the foundation that God has laid here and people coming to this altar and worshiping God. But I can tell you this, there's been a digression since camp meeting. There's been an attack on this church since camp meeting. Amen. And I can tell you what I notice it in more than anything is that we become complacent and we sit in our seats and we don't come down here and worship God anymore. You see, as we build this new church, we can't get our eyes on everything that God's doing over there. I told you before there was ever a foundation ever laid in the book of Ezra, they built an altar and they worship God there. Nine years ago when God brought us to this church, it was a Baptist church, not knocking in that but it wasn't a church of the altar amen you didn't come to this altar you didn't preach about that altar if you were here then you had to be headed to hell well the altar is a place that needs to be rebuilt it is a place of rejoicing it is a place of repentance but I can tell you this church that this church Grace Fellowship Christian Church is a people that must be in the altar the only reason we're building a church next door is because for nine years this church has been built around the altar of God and the greatest attack of the enemy right now on this church is that we become complacent and we're no longer a people of the altar right now our praise has been under warfare and many of us have given in to the attack on the mind you say well why do I go down there on a Wednesday night well I'm tired well I'm wore out well I've been through this well I'm fighting this well I'm fighting that well you 
may be. But can I tell you, whenever you get out of yourself and realize praise ain't about you to begin with, then it's worth, I'm telling you, God is worthy of our honor and our praise. And if we'll get out of ourselves, you'll forget about everything you've been through in the week already. You'll forget about your headache. You'll forget about how tired you are, how weak you are, how wore down you are. I'm not going to tell you this tonight, church. The enemy is after our Judah. He's after our Judah. So why have we gotten away from the altar? I'm not condemning you tonight. I'm just telling you. It's the truth. It's just the truth. It is. I'm telling you, we used to fight to get up here. You can be selfish about the altar. <laughs> you can be selfish about your walk with God. You know, I don't fight over it. But just say, hey, I'm getting right there. That's my spot. <laughs> Amen. I wonder why we don't have our spot marked out like we do our chair. That's my chair. No, that's my place in the altar. You ain't getting there. Amen. Mike Anderson's place is right here. <laughs> that's Mike Anderson's place right there. He done knocked you out of the way sometimes, don't he? So now Sister Tacey's got to come all the way over here. <laughs> that's Sister Stacy's place. She wads up over here in the corner right here. She stays here so she just leans up against the wall. She just finds a resting spot there. Amen. We got to mark our territory in the altar. Amen. Mark your territory. Say, this is my spot. You see, the enemy's after our Judah. He knows. Here's the thing. If we get in a new church and we're not people of an altar over there, what good have we done? I can tell you, I thank God for a new church, but I'm not impressed by it. <laughs> if, we're not, if we're just going to get over there and have a bigger building in Gritney, Florida, what good have we done? If ain't nothing changed on the inside of that church, what good is it? People drive by and see a new building. Oh, that's pretty. They come on the inside and that thing's dead, Dana. What good is it? It don't matter. I'm telling you, church, the enemy's after our Judah. He's after your Judah. He's after. He's after your praise. And that's exactly what the enemy's after. And the second thing that he's after, he said, the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the cities were, that heard that the exiles were building a temple. The exiles, oh, there's a lot of exiles in this church. <laughs> Come on, amen. I said, there's a lot of exiles in this church. Hell can't stand it whenever people that were once in bondage are praising God. And so if I can get them distracted a little bit, if I can get them depressed a little bit, if I can get them in condemnation a little bit, then I can tell you what, if I can get them wore out, if I can get them thinking about their past and bondage and Babylon and everything, if I can just get them thinking about Egypt a little while, if I can get them thinking about the addiction a little while, if I can get them thinking about that old man, that old woman a little while, hey, Sister Rachel, good to see you. If I can get them thinking about that old man a little while, amen, I can tell you what, I'll get there, Judah. If I can make you feel like you're not worthy to worship, none of us are worthy to worship. Amen. Now you've just made worship all about you again. It's not about us. It's about him. I can tell you what, there's a lot of days I don't feel like I'm worthy. Amen. I'm not, but the blood's made you and I worthy. And the moment that we realize that bell was rent from top to bottom. Amen. Can I tell you tonight, church, he's made the way. He's identified with every weakness, every sickness, every temptation, every bondage. My God, he kicked the door down. He went to hell and he took back the keys so that you and 
I could come boldly to the throne of grace. I can tell you hell is after our Judah, but we got to recognize. I know the devil wants to keep us back there, but if we could look up to heaven and if we could see Jesus and realize the veil, the barrier's been torn from top to bottom, I can tell we'd be running to the altar of God because he's worthy. I said he's worthy, but that enemy is after our praise. Church, it's time that this church gets back her praise again. Praise your way through. Second attack was on Judah and Benjamin. What is Benjamin? Well, his first name was son of my sorrow, but the father named him. Amen. I preached a message sometime back. Don't let your current condition name your next season. Don't let your current condition name your next season. You see, the current condition of Rachel was that I'm about to die. And so she named her son Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. And so the current condition was And so she named that boy out of her current condition. And let me tell you, if you name your next season based on your current condition, we're all going to be in trouble. You better let the father name it. I said, you better let the father name your next season. Amen. It's not up to that. Amen. I said, it's not up to the mother. Let the heavenly father name that next season. And I promise you, that name won't be Ben-Oni. It won't be son of my sorrow, amen. It's going to be son of my strength. His name will be Benjamin, amen. It's not going to be Ben-Oni. It's going to be son of my strength, amen. I can tell you his name will be Benjamin, amen. So, Brother Chris, don't name your next season based on your current condition, brother, amen. It may look dark right now, but you hold on, brother. It's going somewhere, amen. I can tell you it's appointed and anointed by God for you to walk right where you are right now, but you've seen nothing yet. God's about to open doors for you, brother. God's about to break barriers for you and it's going to be supernatural amen I'm telling you it's going to be supernatural brother you're just going to walk right in just like you walked to Walmart amen and that door detects that you're there brother amen I can tell you the presence of God is in your life and that door is just going to detect that you're in the presence of that and the door is going to open and you're going to walk right through in the name of Jesus amen I believe it I believe it brother I said the enemy is after our strength. Amen. He's after our Benjamin. Amen. We're no longer sons and daughters of sorrow, but we receive strength by the grace of God. So the enemy's after our praise and he's after our strength. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that the enemy has come to wear out the saints. He's come to wear us out. If he can get you wore out, then he can get you to give out. If he can get you to give out, he'll get you to give up. He wants your strength. He wants you discouraged. That's what the enemy wants. He wants our strength. What strengths? Is your marriage strong? He wants it. Is your children strong? He wants it. Is your church strong? He wants it. Well, we were once strong in the altar. I got praise. Now I got you there. You're already back. Now you're not praising. So you've already lost a little strength. But now I'm fixing to get it all. I got you, Judah. And I'm fixing to get you, Benjamin. I'm fixing to get them both. I want them. And there's, I can tell you, there's assignments of hell on your praise. 
Specific assignments of hell on your praise. Specific assignments on your Benjamin from hell. Sent from the enemy, specific assignments that we have to open our eyes and see in the spirit that what we're fighting is not flesh and blood. Amen. It's not your neighbor that's keeping you to see from lifting your hands. No, I said it's not your neighbor. You just, the devil's told you that it is. Amen, the devil's told you what they're going to think if you go up there. Your fight's not against flesh and blood. I can promise you it's against something much greater than that. Amen. It's not your neighbor that's wearing you out. It's the enemy. Amen. It's assignments. I said they're specific assignments. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, they were specific assignments. You better know that hell knows exactly what he's doing. The devil is very strategic in his attacks. He knows exactly where to come. He knows exactly where to hit. He knows where your weakness is, and he knows where your strength is. And he said, well, I couldn't get them here because they were looking for me here. I've come to understand and learn in about 18 years that the devil's not going to give me a meth pipe and think that I'm going to take it right away and get high. But he will come at me in a little attack here, brother, and a little attack here, and he'll get me wore out here, and he'll get me feeling depressed here. He'll get me feeling lonely here, and he'll make me feel rejected here. He'll begin to work against my soul, and he'll get me discouraged. He'll get my praise. He'll get my strength, and I'll be wore out and say, well, is it really worth it anyway? I don't know that it's really worth it. I've served this God for 18 years, but I can tell you what, nothing's changed. I don't even know if this right anymore. I don't even know if it's worth it anymore. Now, now somebody walks up. Now I'm weary. Now I'm broken. I feel abandoned. I feel left out. I feel lonely. And now the devil says I got him right where I wanted him. He used to be a man of the altar, but now he's a man of the back door. He used to be a man of strength. But now he's a man of sorrow. Now I've got him where I want him. I got him where I want him. Now here you go. Oh yeah. Now I got him. I got their praise. I got their strength. I got their marriage. I got their sons. I got their daughters. I got them right where I want them. Now I got them. Now they drag you through the mud. And everybody sees it. The state of this man is worse at the end than he was in the beginning. That's the word. So the enemy is strategic. Do you realize that? Do you know how strategic that he is? He's very strategic. Very strategic. They came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the families and said... Let us help you build. So can I tell you, after the enemies were assigned to Judah and Benjamin, who did they come to? The heads of the families. <laughs> what did Pastor Mike preach on this weekend? That head. That mind. Can I tell you, well, if I can't get praise, if I can't get your strength, then I'll, I'm willing. I'm willing to go after Marcus. Yeah. Couldn't get the pastor, but if I get him, then I'll get there. Let me start getting the families now. Let me start discouraging the families. Let me go tell this weak family over here, well, I serve God just like you do. Oh, you do? You serve God? And so now they're wanting to help build this temple. 
And so here's what the enemy does. He's very strategic. Dom and Caitlin just got married. Boy, I got a lot to offer. Man, I got things going on. And so what does the enemy do? Well, I couldn't get Pastor Jerry. So I tell you what, I'm going to come visit them. Well, I I serve God like y'all do. I serve God just like your pastor does. I got a million dollars. You think they'll let me in? I'll build that church. And so you're weak because you just got married. You just got born again. And boy, you just gravitate. Yeah. And you run to me and I say, no, no, no. I don't agree with that. That man's not right. And now that opens your door to get offended with me. (laughs) I don't understand. He's this a millionaire that came to me. He loves Jesus just like we do. He loves the Lord just like we do. I'm telling you, he's, man, yeah, they're not even married yet. Boy, how do you, let me get them. I'll get them sidetracked. Boy, I know if I get them sidetracked, then I'm going to get Cody back. I'll get Cody back. Concrete guy comes in. Man, I, I can help you do that concrete. Oh, yeah, let's do the concrete. I know concrete. You talk concrete. I know nothing about concrete. And you're talking about concrete and Jesus. Boy, they're talking a good talk. And you come to me and said, I got somebody to help us do concrete. And he loves Jesus. I said, no, no, no. I done been there with him. He don't love Jesus. He does love Jesus. He said you did him wrong. (laughs) He just wants to help us build the church. He's not a bad guy. You were wrong in the way that you dealt with him last time. You need to get right with him. Oh, yeah. So that devil comes. And they all have an appearance that they're right. It all looks good. Just ask Facebook. They're Christians. (laughs) It says it. It says what they do. They quote scriptures. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. I'm talking to this church tonight. I'm telling you that the enemy wants to come and give division. You better, I'm telling you, I believe this is a warning tonight. Not only does the enemy want our Judah, not only does the enemy want our Benjamin, not only does he want the praisers and the strength of this house, but now he's going to come to the heads of the families. He's going to come at you. You've already been there, Sister Cindy. You go to that church. You go to where that, that crazy pastor is. We're baptizing folks the other night. Carrie gets a message a mile long. Said, said, I wear makeup. That's only two of my problems. The makeup that I wear and the skinny jeans. I don't think I got skinny jeans on. Makeup. And I held people down in this corner to cast the devil out. And I heard them. Nobody else will confront you, so I'm going to. Nobody else will hold you accountable, so that's what I'm going to do now. It happens all the time to discourage the head. I mean, we're baptizing people, and I get that message. I get that message. It hurts. I can't, I mean, you know it's false, but I can tell you, enough of that gets enough sometimes. It never gets easier. I just sent a thumbs up back. It wasn't another. I promise it was a thumbs up. What? 
That was bad, wasn't it? You can turn it off now. <laughs> it was. But it hurts when you get talked about all the time. When this church does, you just want to rise up and fight back. Protect yourself, defend yourself, and say, makeup. I wear makeup? I, I borrowed Carrie's. Just one time. There's an attack that's real. Listen to me. People believe this stuff. People believe this stuff. They get a hold of this. And they believe it. They believe what they're saying is real. And to them it is real. They believe that. They've been given a lie. And they believe it. And to them it is the truth. They wasn't even here, but to them it's the truth. I beat this girl up, held her down, and called her a devil and cast the devil out, and now her and her daughter are scared to death. I'll be honest, she got free. She was free. But you know what? When people get free, then people get mad. Mark chapter 5, he was clothed in his right mind. Boy, it made them people mad in the whole region. Get Jesus out of here. They were all right as long as he was butt naked, bleeding, because he was cutting himself, and he was full of 2,000 demons. They were okay with that. But the moment Jesus shows up and he gets clothed, and in his right mind, they say, get Jesus out of here. Get him out of here. It exposed their devils. He done messed my, my, he done messed my pigs up. He done mess your dirt up. This man's now clothed in his right mind. Done mess this region up because Jesus fixed to send him back to your house. <laughs> and when he goes back to your house, <laughs> oh yeah, somebody's about to preach, Sister Tammy. I said, that man's done clothed in his right mind. Amen. You see, the reason they didn't want to deal with him, they sent him out of there. Amen. They said, no, no, you're too much to be around here. So they sent him to the tombs to live. But now he's clothed in his right mind. He done became a worshiper, even full of the devil. But now he's free. And Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. You got to go back to your house. You see, he's fixing to mess up that whole region because now he done fell in love with Jesus. You see, now he done got born again. He done got free. He done got in his right mind, Brother Wayne. He's fixing to mess up their devils. He's fixing to spoil their party. And I can tell you, people don't like that. When people go to getting free, oh, we can't control them anymore. He done got washed in the blood. He done got free of them devils. Amen. I'm telling you, church, you better hold on. There's an attack against the real thing. When people get cold and get in the right mind, hell is disturbed. Hell's disturbed. He's after our Benjamin. He's after our Judah. Listen, then he said, he came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God. And have been sacrificing to him since the time of Eshar Hadan. <laughs> now listen to this. Y'all got a few minutes. <laughs> Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 17. 
I'm fixing to get real with you, okay? I, I've never known a drug addict come in the church and mess it up. <laughs> you know that? No. I've never seen a drunk or a prostitute come in off the street and ever mess the church up and try to divide it. <laughs> never. Never. Unless they think that they're okay. <laughs> they're religious. That's where I'm going. But somebody that fully knows that they're lost... I've never seen a lost person mess up the house of God and cause division. Never. <laughs> never. I've seen them sit there and weep and cry and find a place that they can get to an altar to repent. <laughs> but I've never seen them in themselves mess up the church. Never. And I've never seen a person that has bought into the vision of God or the pastor. I'm not just saying here. But I'm saying anywhere, I've never seen somebody that is bought in fully and submits and has surrendered to Jesus and submits to the head of that house ever cause division. Because right, wrong, or indifferent, they honor the leadership of the house and they follow it. Because of Psalm 133, oil flows from the head down. Amen. That's the way, if you read Psalm 133 every day, you should know your place. Know your position, wherever that is. We could spend all night there. We're not going to. Just know that it starts here and it runs here. Amen. Then it will go out of the house as long as the oil flows properly, which it should do. We've been blessed here, right? But there's somewhere in between. People that cause a mess have a mixture. And they think that they're right. And they think that they know better, Brother Trevor. They surely know better than the pulpit. Just look at what we just went through. The condition of the church was just revealed in a greater manner than it ever has over the last year. Let COVID-19 hit and everybody bowed down to the government. The condition of the true church was revealed to what it really was. And so it was revealed. People were waiting on the church to shut down. We'd already started on Sunday nights. We don't have Sunday night service. We were already conditioning the people to be ready to leave. People say, why don't you have church Sunday night? Well, there's not enough people that come back. To, to turn the lights on. So we just made the church about the people. <laughs> we just gave it to them. And we just gave them permission to tell the church to shut down. So let the governor say it's time to shut down. We just gave right in. See, that was the condition of the church. But that's not what the church was made for. The gates of hell will not prevail. Upon this rock I will build my church. Amen. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. And so here's the problem. The problem's not the lost. And the problem's not the found that have been submitted and surrendered to the vision of God. The problem is people with a mixture. The problem is this. 18 years I've been born again. Never been to a college. I'm not smart. I don't know the word very well. I just do my best to say, Holy Ghost, lead me. Holy Ghost is my teacher. I never had a pastor until I met David Owens and he introduced me to Lee Ship. I don't know how to organize a church. I don't know why you're even here. I don't know anything. I don't know why I'm here. If I were you, I probably wouldn't sit under me, you know, because I don't know what I'm talking about half the time. I just trust that what comes out is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen. And I know that he don't miss, and that's what matters. Amen. He don't miss. And so we just trust the Lord. Amen. 
But God is working. God is moving. But here's the thing. Some of you know a lot more than I do. And so therefore you elevate yourself above me. Because you know better. You know more than I do. But there's a mixture in your life. You've never submitted to a pastor. You've never had one. You don't want one because ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I know more. than I've, I've been walking with God longer than anybody in the tri-states. I know more than anybody. I've never submitted to anybody. I'm a, I'm a grown man. Ain't nobody going to tell me how to live my life. I don't think nobody has. But the good shepherd leads us. He don't drive us. But I love what Mike said. He'll burn your barley field. And then you'll fall in line and say, leave me. Leave me, Lord. Leave me, Lord. Leave me, Lord, now. I'm not trying to get you to, to submit to me. I'm not. That's not a shepherd. That's not at all. But I'm telling you, people that mess up God's place, people that mess up the ministry of the Lord and the building of his church, is people with a mixture. So I looked up this week. I said, who were the enemies of Judah and Benjamin? Who were the enemies? Who were these guys? 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 24. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvim. Is that good enough? And settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites. They took over Samaria and lived in its towns. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord, so he sent lions among them. And they killed some of the people. Let me tell you this. God will send lions. He'll burn your barley field and he'll send lions to your field. (laughs) The people you deported and resettled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God, little g of this country, requires. He has sent lions among them, which are killing them off because the people do not know what he requires. Then the king of Assyria gave this order. Have one of the priests you took captive from Samaria Go back to live there and teach the people what the God, little g, of the land requires. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel and taught them how to worship the Lord. There was a space of grace. There was a space of grace. Nevertheless, uh uh-oh, each national group made its own gods. There it went out the window. He said, I'm going to send somebody to Bethel and teach them how to worship the Lord. How many times do we resist that? Because maybe we don't agree with their, where, how long they walk with God, their authority, whatever the case may be. So we say, nevertheless, each national group made its own gods in, in several towns where they settled and set them up and set them up in the shrines. The people of Samaria had made it high places. The men from Babylon made Sukkoth, Benoth. The men from Kutha made Nergal. And the men from Hamath made Asimah. The Avats made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sip, whatever, burned their children in the fire as sacrifices. Can you imagine that? There was somebody before them to teach them how to worship the Lord, but now they're going to offer their children as burnt sacrifices when they didn't have to. You know, some of us don't have to have our barley field burnt. You know that? We don't. Some of us don't have to burn our children. 
We make things up in our mind and we create little g-gods. When God gives us a space of grace and says, no, don't do it that way. But you do it anyway because there's a nevertheless in your life for the wrong. Listen to this, verse 32. Are y'all listening with me? Listen to this. This is, if, I, if you don't hear anything else I ever say in my entire life. They worshiped the Lord, capital L. That's our God. But they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. There was a mixture in their life. I worship God Sunday morning, but the rest of the week, don't you talk to me about God. And so guess what? I know enough about God because I've been in church way longer than you ever thought about being in church. You don't know who my grandparents are. You don't know who my daddy is. You don't know what rights I have. You don't know how much my family invested in that church. Who do you think you are to try to talk to me about anything? I'll never submit to you. I know that's never happened to anybody in there. You've never heard of that, right? We do. It happens all the time. Listen. They worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. Listen to this. They worshiped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. So they had an appearance of being right, but they still did what they wanted to do. They honored me with their lips, but their hearts were far from me. How are you living your life outside of church? Are you serving mammon? What are you doing? Are you strung out on prescription medication? It's one of the greatest hindrances in the church today. But don't talk about that. God forbid. God forbid that pastor ever talk about it. He don't know what I go through every day. I may not, but you don't know what I go through every day too. You don't know what God delivered me from. I'd be glad to meet with you and talk to you about it. I would. I'd be glad to get honest with you and tell you that I fought suicide as a pastor a year ago. I'd be glad to talk to you about all that. I'm not ashamed. I'd be glad to talk to you about three abortions and dealing with that for 18 years. I'd be glad to talk to you about anything. I'm telling you, it's only by the grace of God we can get through any of these things, brother. Only the grace of God. We all should be strung out on prescription medication, but we don't have to be because as sin increases, so does the grace of God. Amen? We don't have to be. We don't. But you can choose to, and you can justify it by saying, well, the doctor gives it to me. You can. We can, and you can get mad at me for even talking about it right now. You can. You have the right to do that. You do. We all do. Premarital sex. It's all right. Porn on your phone. I mean, we have a right to do all that, right? It's okay. It's all right. We justify. We justify. We worship the Lord on Sunday, but we live how we want to live, and we worship those gods the rest of the time. 
We can use God. We use the front part, don't we? Well, they worship the Lord. That's how they came to them. Amen. So who's he talking to? He's talking to Samaritans. Let me tell you, Samaritans were half-breeds. Now, I'm not race, I'm not being racist here. I'm just telling you, they were half-breeds. They intermarried. And I'm not talking about skin color right here. You see, but a lot of us are intermarried. See, we're intimate. The church has become intimate with the world. And we've just invited the world right on in. Come on. Just come right on in. Let's be intimate with you. It's all right. It's 2021, right? So Adam can marry Adam and it's okay. And we're intermarried. Don't you dare talk about homosexuality in the church either. Don't you dare talk about that. Don't you dare talk about my pharmacia. Don't you dare talk about that witchcraft. Don't you better, you better not call my medicine witchcraft. You better not. Now, I'm talking about mind altering. I'm not talking about medication. Everybody's got to have, you know, you know what I'm saying. You go have that baby, they're going to give you some medicine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Praise God. That's not what I'm talking about. Y'all don't shoot me down. <laughs> Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Mind altering. Amen. That we justify. Y'all know what I'm saying. Amen. Don't shoot me down. You got me. All right. Stay with me. So we justify these things in our life. And we say, no, you don't, 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 don't touch that. And so these half-breeds, and that's what I heard the Lord say to me. I'm not talking about skin color. That's not what I'm talking about at all. But I'm talking about half-breed people, half-breed Christians. We have a portion of godliness and a portion of worldliness. We're half-breeds. We've been, we've been intimate with the things of the world. And it shows up in our life. If you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit, then you're producing the fruit of the flesh. And I ask you tonight, you'll know, you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. What kind of fruit are you bearing? Honestly, what kind of fruit are we bearing? Because it will come out in your life. And it won't matter what kind of personality. I'm not talking about personality. You'll see the fruit of Jesus in your life no matter what kind of personality you are. You can be A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It don't matter. None of that stuff. You'll see Jesus in a life no matter what kind of personality they are. But you'll also see the personality of the world in there too. You'll see it. And so, verse 34, listen to this. To this day, they persist in their former practices. (laughs) They're persistent to justify the old man. They persist that. They'll fight you over that. Don't you dare talk about that. Don't you dare. They're persistent. They neither worship the Lord nor adhere to the decrees and ordinances, the laws and the commands that the Lord gave the descendants of Jacob, whom, the Lord, whom he named Israel. When the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites, he commanded them, do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them, or sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt with mighty power and an outstretched arm is the one you must worship with. Worship. To him you shall bow down and to him offer sacrifices. You must always be careful to keep the decrees and ordinances, the laws and commands he wrote for you. Do not worship other gods. Do not forget the covenant I've made with you and do not worship other gods. Rather, worship the Lord your God. It is He who will deliver you from the hand of your enemies. They would not listen, however, but persisted in their former practices. Even while these people were worshiping the Lord, they were serving their idols. 
To this day, listen to this. If this don't wreck you, nothing will. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue to do as their father did. So what are your children doing? When there's a mixture in us, there'll be a mixture in them. When there's a mixture in us, there'll be a mixture in them. But we just sweep it under the rug. Well, that's, that's too far out there. It's too much. It's too far out there. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're being legalistic. No, I'm just telling you what the Word says. And so these Samaritans, these half-breeds, these people that had a form of godliness but denied the power, they, they worshipped the Lord, they feared the Lord, but they strove for their eyes. So there was a mixture. Not only were they half-breeds, Samaritans, but their life from the inside, there was a mixture in them. Can I tell you the greatest hindrance is people that come into the church. They don't understand things in the spirit. They know the word better than anybody. They've walked with God longer than anybody else here. But they're dangerous. Dangerous. Because here's why they're dangerous. In their mind, they're right. In their mind, we love God. I do worship God. I do fear God. Oh, yeah, you do. But what do you keep striving for more? I see the mixture in you that you don't even recognize because you've been convinced that you're right. And all you can see is, well, now I'm in the church and I fear God. But let the church close the door. And now you're back in the devil's possession. Boy, now you're a leader here. Boy, but I'm persistent in standing up for this God too. But this is just a little G God. I'm persistent here. But I fear here. And so now that I come into the church, I have more rights to the Lord than you do. <laughs> and so I got it. So now here's what they do. Now they say, we're going to come help you build this new building. <laughs> oh, you are? And so now that something's new and... God told us, don't you dare go borrow money. Boy, howdy. Here's a millionaire. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, I, think, I think God sent me to help you. Oh, yeah. Come here, Brother Scott. You're a worker. You're, you're, you still are. You're, you're building the new church, brother. You're building the new church. Amen. Come here, Carrie. Come here. Oh, yeah, just mash that for a little while. Yeah. Carrie's building the new church. No, hold it down. Come on. Let your light shine right there towards the There you go. Come on. Don't you stop letting your light shine. Come on, Corbin. That was the old property. You're working on the church. Come on, heaven. Just hold this up. You're working on the church. They're, built, they're building the new temple. Carrie's, yes, come on, don't stop now. Yeah, whoo, yeah, you got to keep on. Don't y'all, whoo. I'm going to be in trouble in a little while. Don't y'all see the light? They're building the wall. They're building that new temple. I mean, they're working away. Your battery's getting dead. <laughs> Brother Scott's been digging deep. Got a shovel out. He's been digging deep. Man, a half-breed. Will you be a half-breed with me? Come on. 
You're going to stand right here in between them. There's a half-breed. You see, these right here had white on. You can see the light of the Lord, can't you? That's an that's a enemy right there. Come on, Miss Virginia. You mind being an enemy? Come on. Come right here. Come right here. You stand right there in the middle of them. Come on, Leah. <laughs> you see? Stand right there. Come on, Brother Chris. See there? Now, these Samaritans, you just start talking to them. Start wearing them out. Come here, Mati. You're going to be a Samaritan, too. You're going to work on Brother Scott. You're going to wear him out. Try to talk him out of quit digging. If you can get him to ever quit digging... Come on, Mark. Y'all, y'all got you got two devils, Carrie. Huh. Put it around your neck. That's right. Make it heavy. So you see what happens. <laughs> A cheater. <laughs> but they came with good intentions. Check that out. Hey. How about that? That's a good point. I'm going to help you build, but I want your power. I'm going to help you build, but they're after something. You see, they're after that mind. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what they'll start doing. They'll start whispering. If they, if they get your power, listen to me. Hold on. Give me the battery again. Yeah, she's, she don't trust nobody. See, I don't trust nobody now. That's right. I don't trust nobody now. I don't trust nobody now. You know why? Because they'll hurt you. I don't trust nobody. You, no, no, no. I don't trust nobody. So now you, you used to hear that thing make some noise a while ago. I was building. But now, hey, I, I surrendered that. He talked me out of my power. He talked me out of my power. She was working hard with this, but now look, that thing's heavy, ain't it? Boy, she's wore out now. She's ready to lay that thing down. Brother Scott was digging away a while ago, but look, Mati done took his shovel and the battery. <laughs> she's really the boss. Virginia, get that from him. They're after. You see, they want the mind. They want to infiltrate. I can tell you, here's what they begin to say. Well, I worship the Lord, but I worship my God too. And here's what they'll begin to whisper. I don't think it's really worth all that noise. It's a bunch of racket. They'll start having you second guess the cost of your cross. Is it really worth it? They'll start convincing you in your mind, I don't even know if this gospel is really true. And they heard the cry. They were stirred up. There was joy in their lives, but now the joy's gone. Now I'm heavy burdened. It used to be a joy for me to do this, but now it feels like it's just nothing but a burden. This work's now a burden. Why? Because he told her that it was. And the enemy is after GFCC, Sister Tammy. And they have a form. Look, look, boy, howdy. I mean, that thing looks right, don't it? I, I love God. I love God. But I'm after this. Just let me borrow it for just a minute. I'll show you how it's really done. 
I'll show you how to really worship. I'll show you how to really pray. Just let me see this right here. I'm going to give you one that's stronger and will last longer. No, you never had intentions to. I just wanted that where it wouldn't have power. I wanted to get in there and infiltrate your mind. I wanted that rebuilding of that new temple. That's what I wanted. I got you wore out. And now instead of joy, you're weeping because now you're heavy. Let me tell you something, church. You better understand that the enemy is after the power of God. The enemy is after the authority of the Holy Ghost. And he will begin to infiltrate. And instead of it looking like all Jews, these half-breeds will begin to come in here and they'll just begin to infiltrate the building and what God's really doing at GFCC. What was he after first? Praise. What was he after second? Strength. Then who did he go to? He went to the heads of the family. Oh boy, he started getting them families now. Boy, if I can get Rafe and Carly, well, I got that youth. <laughs> if I can get Sister Tammy, boy, I can, I'll get Jean and Sierra. I, they, they won't be here. She won't be baptized. I got in her mind. I got in her mind. I'm telling you, that enemy's coming to infiltrate everything that God is doing right now. Thank you all. Y'all can be seated. Thank you all for participating very well. Amen. Did that, is this making any sense to anybody? Listen to this. God's enemies were the Samaritans attempted to infiltrate the Jews and disrupt the building of the temple. They pretended to share their cause and offered to join the Jews in God's work, Judah's enemies. Claimed to worship and sacrifice to the true God just as the Jews did. However, they continued to worship their own false gods as well and did not accept the written word of God as the ultimate authority of, for his people. This deceptive offer was to help a sinister plot to weaken and undermine the faith and commitment of the Jews who had been restored to their homeland. If you don't think that there's not an agenda of, agenda of hell, you got another thing coming. What is the agenda of hell? If I can get and undermine them, if I can ever get in between here, I can get a lot of marriages. I can get a lot of marriages. We have to know, are you hearing me tonight, GFCC? Listen, the Bible warns that Satan will try to distort God's message and bring spiritual ruin to God's holy people through offers of cooperation with, from false believers who are not loyal to God's word. Unity among those who worship God is essential. But such unity must be based on sincere faith, obedience to God's commands, and loyalty to the truth revealed in God's words. Zerubbabel and Jeshua refused to enter into a relationship with the peoples around them. Oh my, let me stop right there just a minute. You mean to tell me that you're going to refuse to allow them to be a part of this? Another agenda of the enemy, not whenever you don't give somebody a position. The Holy Ghost spoke to me last week and said, the moment that you accept position over my presence, you've just entered into a demonic realm. Because we crave attention through position, but we forsake presence. And we don't need position if it forsakes the presence of God. We must be in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. 
Zerubbabel and Jeshua refused to enter into a relationship with these peoples around them. That is because they lived by biblical principle of separation from idolatry, worshiping false gods or anything else in the place of the one true God, and from compromise with ungodly people. Can I tell you, it's all right to say no to be in relationship with the wrong people. <laughs> you better say no to some people. Listen to me. You better know. I'm going to say it again. Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, discernment is not knowing right from wrong, but right and almost right. The agenda of the enemy is to bring division to the house. Always. Always. Because God can only use a place where there's unity. I shared this statement with Mati the other day. You may think that God is using a lot of people right now. And you may even be drawn to these people. Can I tell you, even leaders can be in disobedience even when God's people still drink. When Moses struck the rock the second time after he was to speak to it, the people still drank. But Moses was in disobedience. Not every leader, just because you see people drinking, you need to hear me. Just because you see people drinking from the rock, does not mean that the head of that is in order. Take that in and say, Jesus, open my eyes to what's going on right now. Open my eyes to what's going on right now. We have to know. We have to know. Are you still with me tonight? I, I know I've went long, y'all. I'm sorry. This refusal to accept pluralistic or multi-God religion led to opposition and persecution for God's faithful people. <laughs> Listen to this. The troublemakers discouraged the people through intimidation, threats, and lies about their intentions. Exactly what was spoke about me on Sunday night. You wear makeup and tight clothes, and if a woman wore the clothes like you wear, you would kick them out of the church. That's what they said. Trying to intimidate me. Trying to put himself and say, you need to do something. How, how have you even preached a message in the last two years? Since you formed a message against me and my people. <laughs> I can promise you this. When I get before God, God don't talk to me about none of you. He talks to me about me. And let me tell you, this message came to me as the pastor of this church. Jerry Jenkins, you better be careful who you let help with the building of this new church. We're weak. We're broken. I don't know how God's going to build it. One leg at a time. 30 days, God, we need $50,000. Do it, God. I don't know. Two services, almost fifteen grand. Thank you, God. But it's very tempting when somebody comes along and says, I can help you out here. They may have an appearance of being right, but not all help is God's help. <laughs> I said not all help is God's help. Amen. So you have to be discerning. Amen. Listen to this. Here's what they went on to say. I'm going to try to close in just a minute. He went on to say, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Eshar Hadan. 
I want to read to you something. The proposal to unite in building the temple was a political move. (laughs) For in old world ideas, listen to this, cooperation in temple building was incorporation in national unity. The calculation, no doubt, was that if the returning exiles could be united with the much more numerous Samaritans, they would soon be absorbed in them. The agenda of the enemy is to absorb what's real in God. The agenda of the enemy is to absorb the world into godliness in this house. Listen to this. Whenever they spoke and said, we have served God since this time, they did this on the claim that we seek your God as you do. They probably said this with all sincerity. They genuinely believed that they sought the same God in the same way. Yet they also added, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Eshar Hadan, the king of Assyria. Listen to this very closely. This means they sacrificed without either a temple or a priesthood which was obviously against the commandment of God, this completely contradicted their claim. We seek your God as you do. To the Samaritans, Yahweh was one of many powerful gods. Their idolatry represented a grave danger because Israel was exiled for their idolatry. This was a dangerous partnership for the returned exiles. If I can get in that mixture, I can make them like me, and they'll go back to bondage. And that new temple will never be built. Listen to me, church. God's going to build his house. God's going to build his house. I promise you, that's God's house. God's going to build it. But we have a responsibility, Miss Tammy. That's to be watching. That's to be looking. Let me tell you, these people said they served God. No, they wasn't under no authority. They didn't have a pastor. They didn't have a pastor. And I can promise you, be careful with people that don't have a pastor and won't be pastors. Amen. I know one of the greatest growing things is having somebody preach on the TV screen, but I can tell you that's not having a pastor. I can tell you this. I say, they say, well, you can't even tell that he's not there. Yeah, you can. Just look at their life. You can tell there's no shepherd in their life because a shepherd has a staff. Amen. A shepherd feeds. You know that, you know, I promise you, you can tell the difference in that life. Amen. These people came to them to infiltrate them, and people that won't be pastored, you better run. They're unteachable. They will not be pastored. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that have an appearance that God is using them right now, but they don't have a pastor. Well, you got to be careful. Don't be enticed and drawn away by these things. Amen. This enemy will infiltrate your mind and try to get in. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in the building of the temple of our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Can I tell you that that is exactly what the devil wants? Well, I couldn't get into them, and so guess what? Now I'm going to start doing some other things. Now I'm going to discourage them. Now I'm going to whip them. Now I'm going to wear them out. I'm going to start hurling accusations at them. I'm going to start doing whatever I can. They hired counselors, somebody smarter than the ones building. <laughs> what a counselor, they, have, they know how to get in that mind. So what does the enemy do? He knows how to come at your mind. He said, I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to get counselors to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of King Cyrus. Can I tell you, the enemy wants to get you frustrated. 
And if he can frustrate you, he can frustrate grace. Because that's his purpose, is to frustrate the grace of God in your life. He wants in, church. Satan wants in. He wants in. Who's, who's playing? Brother Russell, Rafe, Seth. Satan wants in. He's looking for a crack. And let me just say this, just as a pastor. There's a lot of ways that Satan can get in here. You know that? This is a busy church. Busy. God's opened doors for us to preach, and every time, you know, that the, that the head leaves, it opens doors for the enemy to come in. So here's what I need you to know. When I'm gone, be faithful to church. Be faithful to church. When I'm gone, be faithful to be in the altar. Don't make these pastors, these preachers that get up here and preach this gospel, don't make them beg you to get in the altar. I can deal with it a whole lot better if you're not in the altar than I want you to when, they're, when I'm gone. Do it to me. Don't do it to them. Do I like it? No. But God will help me. I've killed enough people in this church. I don't want to do that anymore. I've ran more people out of this church than I've ever got them to an altar. I don't want to do that anymore. But I don't want immature people, not, and I'm not calling them immature, but whenever they get up here to preach the gospel, I know the hurt in that. When people aren't coming to an altar, when people aren't responding, when you're more tired than anything, I know how that can be. When people finally get an opportunity to preach, people all around this world said they want to come here and preach more than any other time. So don't make the home people dread preaching here. Amen. Is it? I may die tonight. You going to quit being a people of the altar because your pastor died? I hope not. If that's the case, then my God, I have failed miserably. I have failed you miserably. If that's the case. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to the altar. Be faithful to worship. Be faithful to do your part. Be faithful to go to visitors. Be faithful. You see new people in this church? I can't get to everybody. You know why I stay up here a lot of times? Because I'm looking for the devil. If you're new here and I don't come shake your hand, it's not because I don't love you. It's I'm looking for that door. I've been threatened. The devil said, I'm coming to your house and bringing hell with it, burn down everything. He's not in jail right now. I'm looking. I'm not just looking for me. I'm looking for you. I don't want to be a hireling. You hear me? I don't want to be a hireling. I want to protect what God's allowed me to be a part of. I want to protect this school, Michaela. I want to protect you and Marcus. There's a lot of avenues for the enemy to get in this church. You can hate us. 
You can talk bad about us in a lot of avenues. A lot of ways. Because there's a lot going on. There is. You can talk about me going to other places and preaching if you want to. God ordained that. That's been prophesied that would happen the last five years. We never asked for it. I don't ask to go preach nowhere. I, I'm telling you, I love GFCC, Brother Michael. I don't want to go nowhere. This is my favorite place to be. Who wouldn't want to preach here? Honestly. Who wouldn't want to worship here? Honestly. You're the best. But realize and see the places, the gaps, the jail ministry, the school, the nursery, the cooking, the kids' church, the Sunday school, the young adults. They're fixing to have their first child, leading a school, trying to grow up bigger in the middle of all this. Say, Michaela, how can we help you and Marcus out? Pastor, I see you're going to be gone this week. Can I do anything to help out? Ryan and Leah, can I do anything to help with Isaiah in heaven? Can I help out in any way? Can I pray for you in any way? Rafe and Carly, can I help with the youth? Can I do anything? Brother Michael, can I help with mobile missions? Can I do anything? Can I go with y'all? Sister Angie Harrison, she's home right now, had surgery. Can I help cook for Sister Angie? Sister Iris Cooper. Right down the road. She's in the hospital right now. Brother Wayne. So glad to see him here tonight. John and Amanda. So many. There's a lot of avenues that we can reach out to people. And close these gaps in and say, I wonder if I could help out. Can I love here? Can I serve here? Can I pray here? If we're frustrated, it's hard for God to do anything. You realize that? The enemy's agenda of the building of the new temple was for people with a mixture, half-breeds, to get in and attack praise and strength and bring a mixture to the house. The enemy's greatest agenda right now is to bring mixture to this house to bring mixture to your house let me tell you it's worth it just to stay with Jesus all the way it's worth it it's worth it you better understand the tactic of the enemy and realize that you're at war against flesh and blood but against principalities and rulers we have to know and understand our enemy he may appear as an angel of light or have an appearance of anointing but we must look deeper beyond the surface of things and dig deeper. I preached last Wednesday night and in closing about two houses. One house was built upon the rock. And the Bible said about that house, he said, one house dug deep. I've never seen this before. I was sharing with our leadership yesterday. And said the other house was built upon the sand. And so, as we know, more than anybody else, those that dug the footers and toted them forms next door, when the new building goes up, a lot of us aren't really going to know what's underneath that. 
But some are because they dug that. They had shovels three different times, Sister Tammy. Every time they got them dug, rain, 18 inches of rain. So what did they do? So when they're in that house, they're going to know it's safe and secure because they know what it's built upon. <laughs> the rest of us just have to trust that I'm in a house and if a storm comes, then I trust them men that dug down deep so that we could be safe. <laughs> you just have to understand that the house that you're in matters. The house that you're in matters. And some of us put ourselves in the wrong house. You know why? Because some of us are tired of digging. And so we throw away our shovels. But a storm is coming. You hear me tonight. A storm is coming. That COVID-19 will have nothing. You think about it. The Bible says. Now I love, I'm not talking about the tribulation. We're going to be out of here. I love what Mike Chisholm said the other night. Amen. He ain't dragging his bride through that. Amen. But I'm telling you, that world saw what they could get away with an attack of the church. The world saw. They were taking notice. Satan was watching. He said, I got them. They shut the doors that easy. You just wait. <laughs> just wait. And what are we going to do? And so we get tired of digging, don't we? We get tired of digging. And so what do we do? We start comparing ourselves. And we say, boy, that house sure went up quickly. <laughs> that house is, man, look at the people in that house. That house over here is full. <laughs> we ain't even started building anything over here. We're still digging. <laughs> I'm still digging over here. Man, I'm dirty over here. I'm sweating over here. And I look at the party going on up there. And I start, I don't know. The shovel could be your cross. And I look up there and I don't see a cross, but I see a house full. And I start comparing about my life and that life. And so many of us trade in our cross. And we say, I think I'll go up there because that sure has a great appearance right now. And so I quit digging. And I go put myself in this house. And God never told me to put myself in that house. But it looked right. It felt right. Because it stirred my soul. There was some pretty music coming out of that house. There was a lot of people in that house, so it had to be right. And so I ran upstairs and I put myself in that house with everybody there. And they were up there in that house and probably talking about these people still digging. I can't believe they're still going down and we're already all the way up. Look at us. Look at them crazy people down there still digging. Look how dirty they are. Look how sweaty they are. Look at that bloody, dirty, nasty, stink. Look at them. And they, comparison game. Be very careful because that's a very soulless realm to be in. The Spirit will never compare to anything else other than Christ. And even Christ in somebody say, man, I, I strive after that. I have relationships in my life. Every time I'm around them, I grow. They elevate me. And so here's the thing. We put ourselves in the wrong house. And the storm comes. 
Now this house is built and the storm comes and the rain's descending and what's the flood doing? Ascending and the wind's blowing. And now you've done put yourself in the wrong house. And now that the floods are coming, you can't get out of the house. The winds are blowing. Boy, I'm trying to get out, but it's too late because the wind's blowing against that door. I wish I could run down, but it's too deep and the current's too fast. So there's nowhere for me to run. I'm stuck in a house God never told me to be in. And now the storm is here. And the storm blew down this house. And the Bible said the fall of that house was what? Great. The fall of that house was very great. But it had an appearance of anointed. It was very attractive. So I ran to it. Church, hear me tonight. Be very careful. Be very careful. Because Samaritans will come and help you dig and say, look at what we built. Don't waste your time down here. This is taking too long. This costs too much right here. Let me get your power. Let me get your battery out of your drill. I, re- I want to give you a bigger one. No, you don't. You just want this one. You have no intentions on ever helping me out. You want to get in my mind. You want to infiltrate my mind so that we won't move forward with God. Would you stand with me tonight?